0: Cut, but morally corrupt. It's forwards, backwards podcast. Not from the corner of Glenway and Monroe, and not from the Give Me Some Truth Studios. This week we kvetch qu- about Kyle's contract, condemn Keith for the loss, and understand Union Omaha. I'm Keith Ponywaz, and as always, I'm joined by the Jerry Garcia, to my David Grisman, Dan Fallon. Dan, last night's U.S. Mexico Concacaf. Champions League of Nations of all time match was nuttier than Squirrel Turd. Does CONCACAF once again CONCACAFing mean nature is healing?
1: Well, I'm more concerned about the guy who had to jump off the TV set on how he's healing because it was unclear how far he had to plummet as he jumped away from the security guards. If you haven't seen that yet, folks, I would highly recommend... Looking that up, you also get to see And, uh, and good friend of
0: the pod, Flormingo, actually has, I think, the, the recorded clip and put it on the does, internet. So look at his and Twitter feed. Speaking of Twitter feeds, Dan, we haven't mentioned ours in a while. What is our Twitter feed? That would be at forwards backwa
1: two, not one, not three. At forwards backwa
0: two. Excellent. So quite a bit uh, happened in that match. Uh, I had to come out of Twitter hiding to actually post a tweet. Because of that match. What what did you post? Football. Bloody hell. Well, that was uh, mildly more interested than uh, Grant Wall, who recapped the match with, what a game. <laughs> oh, that guy. I mean, that's, that's brevity is the soul of wit right there, Grant Wall. He also,
1: I don't know if you saw, there was some – there was some, t- he posted a tweet, something about, you know, in other countries they schedule derby matches for the morning, like suggesting that that would have, <laughs> that that would have solved the issue of um, the Mexican fans doing their uh, homophobic chant and which fine, great grant. Obviously he just was like trying to plug his article that he wrote in 2004 about the, uh, the old firm derby in Scotland. Also, this isn't a league match, uh, Grant. This is a final of a tournament, which maybe these two teams wouldn't have even been in. So they can't then reschedule the final. I mean, it's so
0: fascinating. So it also ignores the conflict that you had with him about him complaining that they were scheduling the derby matches early in the day.
1: Well, his point there was because it was only on TV and that no bad things can happen if there yeah. are no fans. Yeah. stadium. Yeah. Um, he, it, it, it's pretty, it's pretty remarkable that that I, well, let's just move on. Cause I, I can't even, he
0: makes my brain hurt. I, I think, and that's one of the reasons that you're not on Twitter, isn't it? Is there a lot of people on Twitter that make your brain hurt? <laughs>
1: Most of you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, now do you have any other comments on that match that you want to get off your chest?
1: I mean, I would say as a, as an analysis, particularly of the two penalties in extra time, clearly the ref was more sure of the first one based on his incredibly demonstrative point to the penalty spot for the U.S. penalty. The point to the spot for the Mexican penalty was a lot more kind of normal. It felt like he still wasn't sure. Also, all kidding aside, you know, I actually find that VAR in MLS and, and, and in some other iterations that I've seen actually seems to work a lot better than what I, you know, I watch the premier league mostly. And so I, I find the premier leagues application of VAR to be very problematic, um, to watch that McKenzie handball that many times, I think that's the definition of, it wasn't a clear and obvious error. If you need yeah. to watch 46 different angles of something that you saw in real time and decided wasn't a handball. Now you could call both penalties soft. I mean, I thought uh, Pulisic just maybe looked a li- like if that would have been given in real time, I wouldn't have had a problem with it. Again, I don't know if it was a clear and obvious error. The guy did win the ball. He clipped him first. He, um, he did hip check him. I mean, yeah, but it, it wasn't, I didn't think it was a clear and obvious error. I mean, I again,
0: I, I don't want to get into, okay, we're not going to talk VAR because VAR is the least interesting topic in all of soccer. Here's the other Especially thing Actually, we're huh? talking VAR in a match where Tata Martina walks over, puts his arm around the referee while the referee is re- reviewing the VAR. Like also, there's so many more interesting and totally insane things that happen, including. Greg Berhalter tried to slide tackle the one player at one point on the (laughs) sidelines, including. And this is very important. Tim Ream actually caused me to turn the match off, so I stopped watching at the seventy-eighth minute. You never turned it. You never turned it back. I never turned it back on. I was just like, "F this," Uh, because I was so angry. At that Tim Ream and McKenzie performance that I could not, I was like, how is Tim Ream not been subbed out of this match? I must have sent you somewhere in the realm because I'm not a guy that gets one idea in his head and beats it to death, as anyone who's listened to this podcast will know. So I must not have sent you 50 texts like, why have they not taken Tim Ream out? Please, for the love of God, take Tim Ream out. I think the He's, best
1: tweet clearly of the night was whoever said, yeah, I think that was Ray yeah. must've been in charge of security for the TV <laughs> set. <laughs> yeah. Tim, Tim had a tough night, Tim and, had you know, a tough night. And I would say he should probably never be allowed near the national team setup uh, again. Like and McKenzie uh,
0: had what we'd call a mayor. I mean, uh, I would say if I'm yeah. r- giving them a rating, but McKenzie seemed more like, Oh my God, overwhelmed by the stage. Tim yeah, just he, he, not, grew,
1: he, he grew into the game a little bit more in the second half. I thought Reem just looked completely out of his depth the whole night, didn't he? Yeah. I guess he didn't make any like horrible mistakes like Mackenzie did, but he just was getting
0: well. He didn't turn the ball, yeah. But I mean, they very got clearly they brought got in a roasted. guy in the yeah. 70th minute to roast him. So, and yeah, I mean, and, he, was, I mean knowing, he was he was cooked like uh, a marshmallow on a s'more. Yes, be I
1: also I believe that there was uh, I I could be mistaken there was. 21 minutes of added time or something like that in the match. I mean, there was were, that just
0: like, in the second overtime. <laughs> no, no, that's total. I think that's because that match started at eight 30 and ended at midnight central time. Didn't it? It was like a I, three was an close. hour. It was there close. are Wagnerian operas that don't last that long.
1: It was close. It was like an NFL game. It was like, I think about 1145 when I finally, and I literally like went to bed as soon as they blew the whistle. I was like, I got to go to bed
0: tomorrow. But Monday. even with that victory, like, I don't think Bert Halter should have a job. Like, I think he should be gone. Yeah. Like, I think he just, that was such a disaster. I mean, tactically, they got lucky because, and, and look, here's what I'm going to say. You know, this, this young team, one of the knocks going into 18 was like, oh, these Americans, they don't have the heart. You know, they don't play for the badge and you'd get the old timers. And um, quite frankly, like, they showed a great deal of heart. And a great deal of desire. And I think, you know, all those old timers who do the like, oh, you got to play for the badge should shut up. I mean, you sound like Roy Keane, who nobody wants to listen to Roy Keane. Not even Manchester United fans want to listen to Roy Keane anymore. (laughs) You know, you got to get struck in. Uh, You know, play for the three lions on the front of your chest, not the name on your back. Come on. Come on. Those guys... Very clearly showed, and you could see in yeah. the photos afterwards how much that meant to him. So, Yeah, yeah. and I would say, in, the
1: last thing I'll say about the match is I came away with a ton of respect for Weston McKenney. I thought he had a great night.
0: He and, also grew in the match because he was, I would say, quiet in the first half. Um, I think they did a good job of targeting him on set pieces, and and one thing that will get overlooked, and I was actually going to bring up later as well in, in the context of forward Madison, uh, nice little pick. Uh, you, you won't notice, nobody will mention it, but uh Pulisic went in for a nice little pick on the guy that was marking. Was not a, you know, cross your chest, full on, but made it, made his run. So he bumped into that guy. How's yeah. that sound? Yeah. And that's the the little things uh that go into that. Uh anything else, Dan? What any other? So was the guy jumping off? Was the, the pitch invader? Was it Gio Reyna or the Mexican guy getting hit in the head with a water bottle? Your favorite part? Do you do 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 you have a f- favorite part? I mean, I mean, I think my favorite part is I think I think the big winner here as our
1: as good friend of the pod Cuba his new hat Concacaf showing is, itself again to be at the top of the heap when it comes to just entertainment football quality questionable complete shenanigans top of the heap uh, shithousing
0: the as they will say well and, I mean
1: I they're making like, they're making look uh, oh
0: man uh, like.
1: Normal right
0: <laughs> yeah. and I, I can't recommend this enough to you. Actually, the the second captain's podcast, which is based out of the the Irish Times out of Dublin, uh, Ken Early is one of the the contributors. They had a great interview, and I, I apologize, I forget the name of the guy that they interviewed about what a three ring cluster Comyn Bowl is right now in the Copa America and all that. Can't commend it to you enough if you're interested in kind of the the bigger picture of what's going on. Um, you know, I think most people who listen to this podcast are probably aware that Bolsonaro is not a good dude. Um, this just kind of gets into the, the sheer rank and competence of the the guy. So it's uh, it's, it's eye uh, very interesting and, and very smart. Um, so uh, Dan, the other thing that we have to touch on before we, you know, try to do our best to talk around uh, you know, the, the union Omaha match Uh, Kyle Carr, uh, Henny Darby, coming up this week. Uh, Normally, we would have him on the podcast. We might even invite uh, our friend Elliot from the River City 93 podcast on. But Kyle is uh, not appearing here. He's working on his parental duties. However, he is going on Talking Flock this week. And so, Dan, what's your read on this situation? I mean, we have no insider information. producer Paisley handles all the contracts, but we know with the second child arriving he's looking for a pay rise uh you know bump his weekly earnings up and so what what's going on here what what's your feeling about uh, about this you know cross pod pollination coming from from Kyle Carr
1: well obviously I mean it's a shot across the bow i mean uh to be you know to be taking some uh you know some some professional leave, but then to find a little bit of uh, free time to show up at another club, and you know maybe train a little, uh, figure out their tactical setup. Uh, you know, I think he's making it pretty clear that he's uh, he's open to other possibilities. It's kind of a genie Winaldum situation. Um, and
0: uh, but you know, it, do you think it's, it's the really, extra it's really year? Hard. It's, what's that? Uh, well, do you think it's the extra year of the contract that he's looking for, or do you think this is a situation where fish is going to sweep in at the last moment and and maybe the past of the situation is of course the now dormant club podcast behind the feathers. Are they going to show up with like a big money offer? And they're going to be like, Kyle turbo. We're pairing you guys together. Boom. Make it run. I mean, that's my well, big worry.
1: If you saw, uh, if you saw Jason uh, from forward Madison, uh, social media fame on Sunday, with his new haircut. I think that budget has been blown on his, on his sweet new do. So um, I think Kyle might be barking up the wrong tree there. I think, I think forward Madison has uh, uh, Jason has funneled that money into his hair care. Um, So, and the hard part with us is, you know, it's, even if you double zero, it's still zero that you're getting paid. So, but
0: you know, we could give him an extra year. At zero.
1: We can give him five.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, we don't want to blow the, you know, we'll because we're year to year. I mean, if we Chris if we late. commit to
1: if we commit to five more years, we'll be doing this podcast when USL doesn't exist and <laughs> 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 Ford Madison is playing in the new MLS, uh, whatever that league is going to be. MLS three. MLS, MLS Cube Two and a half. Uh
0: you know, with, broadcast again, on on ESPN dies. Uh, yeah, uh, Emma, Did you see, though, that, uh, you know, USL is confident enough to announce a 13th USL League One team, uh, Spokane, uh, joining in. So a uh, good friend of the pod, uh, you know, Dan Kanak, going to have to make some hard choices. Is he going to you know, continue to listen to us? Is he going to go with the local Spokane <laughs> FC podcast? I don't know. I don't know. Good, good soccer town, good
1: soccer area out there in the Pacific Northwest. It looks, you know, I've, uh, chief real estate officer, Justin Papadopoulos, <laughs> Papadopoulos, uh, Socrates. Uh, he, I think he's, uh, he's, uh, worked out a nice deal there in, uh, uh, downtown stadium in Spokane. It's actually a city. I, I grew to, to, I guess like what didn't I you have a out. run-in
0: by the way that's the Spokane is also the home of the official west coast d1 soccer team of the pod of Demetrius Kagaya. uh so uh currently playing
1: currently applying his trade for the uh Portland Timbers under 23 team in USL League 2 um his, his mom, April, good friend of the pod, uh, you know, kind of said, well, he, he didn't want to come. <laughs> he thought Green Bay wasn't as good a location to play in as Portland. And I said, that's a pretty good decision from the young man. Uh, he's a good decision <laughs> yeah. maker.
0: Yeah. Uh, good decision you know, maker. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Portland may be just a little bit cooler. Yeah, yeah. Um, although Green Bay, you know, has its appeal. For instance, they still have the halftime canoe race from Peter Wilt. I did see that. Yeah. I did Peter Peter Wilt once said to me, I've got I've got one thing and it's halftime object races. <laughs> so at forward, you know, you wear a flamingo. It's a canoe for the Voyagers. Uh great kit, by the way. New kit looks very oh, nice. man. Yeah. fantastic. And uh shout out, by the way. Uh, if you didn't get a chance uh to watch rewatch the match, which I did, of course, because I'm a student uh, of of the sport and dedicated to this podcast they did a very nice uh, halftime inter- interview with uh, Cassidy Sepiansky, oh. um, which uh you know if you get a chance you know queue up the ESPN plus and and dip in good interview with her where she talks a little bit about the process behind it and it's good to see her getting the the credit yeah. that she deserves on a bigger stage because i mean i i think you know she's been doing a killer job for forward Madison and that no big time Adidas, et cetera, has come in and tried to get her speaks to just how stupid they are. Uh, Neither here nor there. Um, So uh, we have three key things to talk about in the forward Madison match versus union Omaha at Bree Stevens field on Sunday evening. Uh, The first is the tale of the tape. The second is the tale of two matches and the third, the tale of two styles. So Dan, in the tale of the tape, uh, forward Madison fell 2 one in front of, uh, 2,100, uh, fans. That was a full, a sellout for the current COVID capacity for, uh, Bree Stevens field. Uh, it sounds like they're going to be opening up more. Uh, the first goal, uh, very unclear as to, to who scored it. Um it looks like it, you know they called it an own goal. Um and then uh forward equalized in the 35th minute from Captain Jake Keegan. And then uh yeah, Turbo was, was actually wearing the armband on Sunday, Keith. Oh did I oh yeah, interesting. Did I call him Captain? You did. Oh, well Captain. Well, I'm just saying at least on Sunday. Turbo was wearing the
1: armband. I, uh, I just thought you were a student of the game and you would have noticed that.
0: Well, I did notice that. Um, but I was also just uh, looking at the erroneous USL league one reporting. Uh, and then uh, Ali has Hazd- had Hadzik. Um,
1: <laughs> <sounds take>. Polish
0: <laughs> uh, scored in the 51st minute. He had a, he had almost had a uh, Steven Gerrard hat, hat- trick. Cause he also picked up a 59 minute uh, yellow card. Um, and then, uh, he, uh, but he did not get an assist. He was subbed off in the, uh, they say in the 63rd minute. And I think that was kind of a key moment because that started opening, uh, uh, things up for forward Madison, particularly from their number six, Aaron Malloy. Uh, one of the things I saw and, you know, this opens up, uh, in terms of fouls, two yellow cards for each team, but 18 fouls against union Omaha 10 against forward Madison. Um, it was the referee's first. Ever professional match, um, as well. But uh, I think if you look at the numbers, you can start getting an indication of uh, how Union Omaha came out to play this this second match. Uh, they they took a, a slightly different approach uh, from the first match, um, although you know circumstances may have changed a little bit that approach in the in the first match. Uh, any other numbers that kind of jumped out at you in that in that match? Um, well, I mean, the tail of the tape, if you will.
1: Yeah, well I think you're you're uh, I think we'll I guess we'll get into the tactical setup but clearly I mean Forward Madison had 562 pa- accurate passes to uh, Union Omaha's 208. Uh, so that gives you a little idea of uh, who had the bulk of possession which was Forward Madison at 70% uh, and our pass percent you know our completion rate was up at 87%. So there there are some stats as you kind of look through here that look very, very lopsided in terms of Florida Madison having the bulk of possession um playing shorter passes, uh you know Omaha had more long balls, um
0: yeah, at one point it was very interesting. I don't think um I, I was like, I don't think uh knew who has played a short ball out of the back all match. I went through while I was watching the match, and I started noting, and there were a couple of moments, but Goal kicks, uh, every time he got the ball, it looked like he was punting it. And I think that goes into their tactics. And, and I didn't notice it when we watched the match itself. Now, obviously, when you're sitting behind the goal um, in the, the baking sun, you don't necessarily get that perspective. But one of the things um, – well, and, and look, this is also where we need to bring up blaming Keith, right? Because the tail of the tape, what was missing in this, in this uh, game from Goals. forward Madison? Goals and goals specifically when in the second half, Uh, indeed, we were outscored in the second half, which I think is the first time all year that's happened. And uh, so why might that be? Well, you know, Keith uh did show up at the match and uh, before the match and made an you know, an analysis on this very podcast about forward Madison being a second half team. So uh, I think we can, you know, sometimes I forget the power of the podcast, and so we might be able to you know, we still haven't, we still haven't
1: played, we still haven't played three at the back, no matter how much you talk about that. But
0: yeah, well, you know, I think somebody did somebody did, yesterday. Indeed. Uh, The other thing that I did uh, last game that, uh, you know, normally doesn't happen at a forward Madison home match sober. True. I was sober. Uh, So that's two strikes against me because I had been drinking at the other two matches, both wins did not drink at this game. So maybe my trash talking, was not where it needed to be. Third thing, uh, our good friend, uh, from the dead whales will was in attendance and Connor requested that I break out for him, the creator of the suit, the flamingo suit. I did not, uh, cause it was hot. And I was like, I'm not putting that goddamn Flamingo head over my head in this heat. It's kind of a special occasion thing, right? You know, you don't want to break it all out of the time. But Will being in attendance, kind of a special. He is the creator of the suit. Um, he wasn't wearing the whale. No, but I think you know he was out that way on work. Um, so maybe he doesn't keep the whale in the truck. I don't know. <laughs> maybe he should have multiple whale suits. I think that's yeah, yeah. that's really on him. Also, so- it would be a little weird to wear the whale suit to a match where they're not playing. But I mean, I think a whale suit is universal. It's an orca. So it's white and and black on the arms. It looks kind of like a tuxedo. Um, I think it's, you can take, you could probably have worn it to Sarah's wedding in the morning. (laughs) Are they officially, are they pod married yet though? Well, well, have we declared them? I think we should give them our blessing. Tallmingo and Sarah. You are now officially blessed by – your union has been blessed by the Forwards Backwards podcast. There you go. There is an important speech act right there. And just
1: ignore the fact that Keith just went on an entire bit about how whenever he says something, it ends (laughs) ends
0: poorly. (laughs) Well, in this specific case, I think in their – in the case of their marriage, I think we – You played a major – you played a major role. I know. And so I think – and I'm very confident. They seemed very, very happy – and they both wanted to go to the Ford-Madison match after getting married, which is yeah. super cool. Uh, is. So congratulations to them. Uh, that was you know, probably far and away the best thing that happened. So yeah. uh, way to go. Tough. Yeah, um, to them. So uh, we get into now the tale of two games, and I think there were some specific tactical changes that uh, they put out. I think Ford adjusted to as the match went on. Um, but I also think, you know, a little bit of the result of the match was a tale of two styles, as we'll kind of talk about. Um, so a couple of things we noticed right away, first of all, uh, Dan, was that, uh, you know, they wanted to play the game in the in the center of the pitch.
1: Yes. Yeah. I mean, they were. Yeah, we kind of noticed it early in the match. They were funneling everything they were trying to get, keep us from making that first pass out to the wing to get, to getting the, they're basically not letting the ball get to Gephardt and to Tyler Allen. Uh, and
0: they, and even more earlier in the buildup, I mean, they, they made it hard to get the ball to Pato and, and Giro in a lot of cases. I mean, if you watched, and so when they lined up, it was a four, four, two and Ali Hodstich and, and Hurst were up top, but in reality, defensively, uh, Ali Hodstich was central. And, and I thought this was kind of important as well. He dropped and would basically mark or harass Malloy uh, in possession. And then Doyle, 22, who was listed in the starting lineup as a midfielder, but actually played in the front two with, with Hurst, they would curve their runs out and force and channel everything through the middle. Yeah. Um, reminiscent actually of the tactics uh, 20 years ago uh, in the 2000 uh, WIA. Boys State Soccer Tournament final when Marquette squared off against Middleton High School with uh, brother of the pod, Scott Ponywas, in goal. Uh, Middleton actually tried to make Marquette play and clog the middle and were reasonably success- successful. They just had some some poor breaks, conceded a penalty kick. Marquette University High School won. Neither here nor there. Uh, but, you know, that, that was Hurst and, and uh, Doyle's goal, right? Doyle really looks like a Doyle, doesn't he? <laughs> or an O'Doyle O'Doyle, yeah, what was the movie
1: with O'Doyle Rules? O'Doyle Rules, uh, one of the, I don't know, Adam Sandler, Chris Farley, I can't remember which one now Oh, it's definitely
0: remember. a Sandler movie, I think O'Doyle Rules sounds like Billy Madison I think you're right, I think you're yeah. right In any case, uh, Doyle, uh, you know, they were ch- channeling everything through the middle What what else did you kind of notice in, in, in that sort of uh, tactical adjustments there?
1: Yeah. I mean, they just, I, they were keeping us from playing the way that we've been playing and we struggled to get into the match, I think a little bit. And I, you know, otherwise I think we realized they, they were not going to press. Uh, they sat back. I mean, they, you know, they did harass Aaron, but they were not pressing high up the pitch. Uh, and they kept a pretty, you know, it was kind of a two blocks of four and, kept it as tight as they possibly could. As we talked about in the stats earlier, they had very little possession. They had very few passes. Uh, they did play, uh, uh, I guess, on Wednesday night. So they had a quick turnaround as well. They played Toronto. I'm not sure if it was home or away. Um, but, you know, maybe like Okay, so yeah, two games on the road. So they clearly... So I think two things you could you could read into is that Jay mims felt like they got outplayed in the first match. They needed a different way to play if they were going to win this match. So he came out in a more defensive style, and also probably was thinking two road games in four days. It was probably what
0: Toronto's playing in Tucson, I believe. Right? It's probably, somewhere in Arizona. It's, I think. it, I don't think there's a lot of uh, temperature variation. Yeah, so Not the heat. It's the humidity. So it was hot.
1: It was hot. It was hot here, and they decided to sit back and play a different style, and it ended up working for them. Uh, the you know, and you, I, you know, I got the sense and I think Carl and, and Turbo talked about this, like we were probably, you know, at the end of this four matches and 12 days and we weren't on our game. We didn't, we made bad decisions and, um, you know, both goals were sloppy and, uh, you know, the OG was a little unlucky i guess i mean i thought it came off of tyler allen i thought it was pretty clear but um but you know the the set piece we just you know we shut off and they and they scored so you know uh i think we we talked about i don't i wouldn't call it a turgid match uh, there was there was action but i think we both kind of felt like this was coming like you know we we were due kind of a bad day. And it was, you know, we didn't play poorly. Again, I wouldn't say like we got played off the pitch. I mean, I think we just, they had a good setup, how they want to play. They got a couple of lucky breaks. They probably were thinking like, you know, if we play tight and keep it close and get a set piece and get a goal. Um, the other thing to think about in terms of their back four, or as I think you're going to talk about that, they switch potentially to a back three and also just playing more defensively they did lose, uh, I, I forget his name, who's facing, some legal, yeah. who's facing some legal issues. So they had one of their starting defenders was not playing. Uh, and so that may have also... L- by
0: legal me. issues, you mean <laughs> catfish. <laughs> I,
1: yes. Uh, I Moving on. Um,
0: <laughs> legal stylists uh, advise us not to talk about that yeah, issue.
1: Yeah. Uh, but clearly that could have also played into this thinking... Uh no, need, I think we need to be losers. solid defensively yeah. we're we're start we're starting different players so
0: yeah one of the other things you know that that goes into that too is if you're playing with the two up top and i think you would you would argue they played more or less a three five two two outside wings who dropped in and and I'll talk a little bit more about the three one of the the other things though with the two is with that long ball is immediately those guys are right with uh with Fernandez and Turbo, right? And so you have Hurst and O'Doyle rules one on one with each of our center backs. So if you get it up there, you've got a two on two break. And if Ali Hosditch or, or, you know, one of the wide guys breaks a little quicker. All of a sudden, you've got a good three-on-two chance, um, and so that, I think, tactically was one of the things that they were looking at. It was going to save them a lot of effort. It was 90 degrees, one of the tail-of-the-tape things that we didn't mention up top, but tactically, right, that long ball, you've got those two guys right on your center backs because the way forward Madison plays out of the pep system, right, you split your center backs. You advance your wing backs, uh, your outside backs, and they're almost into the midfield when you're in possession. And so it makes it hard to get the ball. So there are a couple of ways to you know work out of that. One was find Malloy. I think they did a decent job of shutting him down. His passing early on was a little inaccurate on a couple of those balls. He received them and wanted to play them square, and they weren't great. Um, part of that was he was chopping it across his body, which I don't like to see. Um, And also, I I think there were a number of of moments throughout the match where forward did some moves that looked tired and lazy, like some kind of attempts to flick the ball when they should have, you know, gotten their body right and and played the smart ball. But, you know, that was one of the things. So your solution there is either you bring Pato and, and Giro deeper, so they're more level. So they really have to cut that angle off or, you know, that that. You you double pivot and you can knock those balls a little bit better. One of the things that if you saw over the course of the match is Jepson started dropping a little deeper. And if you look at his position chart over the course of the match, he and he and Malloy were actually right on top of each other. So you could see they were trying to rotate them to get that ball, but it did necessitate uh, changes from forward. And I think this gets into sort of a tale of, of two styles as well. Um, but they did switch to the three in the back. And I think that was effective. Um, one of the reasons I also thought it was uh, sort of effective was their captain, who, by the way, got away with a, a yellow card uh, cardable offense in about the 80th minute on Jay Keegan, who the ref played advantage, you know, and and there was slight advantage. Um, and then, you know, they didn't, didn't knock him down, but was with Sousa he was not then responsible for holding the line as much. So if forward had a guy that dropped between the lines, either Keegan, uh, Suko, Gomez came in and started operating in that space. He felt a little more confident that he could step out and, and occupy that space. And he had a wing back dropping behind him as well. So I think that helped break up something that forward likes to do, which is play between the lines, right? You don't see necessarily Keegan, right all the time back to a, a center back. And then Van, you know, that space Vang likes to occupy. Um, he came on and, and didn't have as much space. Um, so there, there were a couple of things there, but I also think it, what you alluded to, you know, catching him on the set piece or whatever, I think it's really a case of, of a tale of two styles, right? Um, there was a moment in the second half when, uh, or first half actually, uh, where forward bing the ball around and you turned and you go champagne football. <laughs> and I corrected you and I said, no, champagne of bottled beers, football, Dan, we're in Wisconsin. Uh, but forward wants to play. I mean, I think everything that you, you'll hear out of Carl Craig, Craig Carlson's mouth is he wants to play. Um, and so I don't get the sense that Jay Mims approaches it in the same way. Um, and I think there are a couple of reasons for that one, you know, that stadium they play and essentially what they were trying to do with a forward was make you play in the baseball stadium, right? If you narrow that field, it's a congested mess. You bop it long. Maybe you catch them sleeping. Maybe you catch them, you know, um, I, I think, you know, the own goal was just raw luck because, um, it went off of Allen, but, um,
1: I think Jepsen won uh, the off ball. of yeah, yeah,
0: Jepsen beat the guy to the ball and he kind of cleared it and and they had that guy fully covered. It was just in some and Brino never really had a chance. I mean it no, came it was in off the top. from it the was basically in the top corner right in front of us. Yeah. I mean, and so, you know, you're you're Union Omaha, you get that break. Um, you kind of sit in and then at the beginning, I mean, I think we would have seen a very turgid second half. Uh, whether Union got that early goal or not. And I think if you watch that on the replay, if you watch that clip, um, I think Carl Craig, uh, Turbo, all have the right to be really ticked, right? Um, that was just no communication. The guy, There were two guys sort of standing there. They knocked the ball down the wing. He had a clear open cross and, and dinged it in. Um, so I think those are, you know, two things that, Hey, and, and, you know, last week I talked a little bit and feel free to stop me at any point here, Dan, about, um, you know, uh, forward wanting to play on the front foot. And I think Union Omaha are a much more reactive team.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I I don't really have a whole lot to add other than I think um, I would say I'm slightly concerned now about a couple of things. We are our defensive solidity in the first few matches has kind of waned. We're starting to, you know, leak goals a little bit. Uh, and you could, you know, a couple of them have been own goals, but you know, we've given up some chances here and there. So I think there's, there's some things to be, to be ironed out all with the caveat of, which will lead into my second point, a lot of games in a short amount of time. That said, I'm a little concerned about our rotation uh, in that, you know, Keith Martin, we, you know, Jiro went down with what looked like a cramp, I think, at the end of the game. And they brought in uh, Lamelli, who's played very, very well and I think has earned his spot. But, you know, they brought him in on the right and moved Pozzo over to the left instead of going with with Heath Martin, uh, who, has, I, as I if I recall, has not seen a minute yet uh, during the season. So, you know, that's my uh, so that's a second concern, just that, you know, we don't have a lot of depth uh, across mostly across the back. Well, at center back and uh, at the forward position, I was a little surprised that Noah Fuson didn't get a get a look. I think you, you know, I think you rightly pointed out that Derek Ebhart looked a little looked a leggy. little gassed, he looked leggy in the second half. He wasn't as active and he didn't have his best game. And you know, I actually, I think I commented that he only played. He actually didn't start the last match, right? He came on in the second half, so he theoretically should have been a little bit fresher. But you know, it was a again, it was ninety degrees on that turf. It's that's a tough day.
0: Uh, well, and, and he what, still played four matches in what twelve days. I mean, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So, even if you're only
0: out out of one, you know, for half of one of them, I mean, right? That's a might, lot of football.
1: Actually, and that goal he scored would have exhausted me in the. uh It it
0: exhausted you because I think you made the Keegan gasm sound (laughs) when, when, when you saw that first touch. Yeah. That first touch is still.
1: I didn't even see the goal. I fell off my
0: (laughs) cap. You had passed out from, from Keegan gasm. Um, Um,
1: The the, the last thing I just wanted to say is I, you know, dead horse, maybe Pato Diaz is an absolutely class player who had another, Absolutely fantastic game. I mean, I, he's he was my player, man of the match for for forward Madison. I think he, again was the best player on the pitch. Um, you know, Jake Keegan again showing his class. I, I'll talk to anybody who wants to listen about Aaron Malloy, but I mean, Pato just one v one defending, ball at his feet, his passing, everything he can do, he does at a high level. He he,
0: he embarrassed some guys in the about. 87th minute out on the right wing as well yeah. as the match was fading yeah. uh, he had about two guys and he I think they're going to be looking for their jockstraps straps in that corner of Reed Stevens for a while because yeah. he split them and and then embarrassed a the third guy I think yes. as well um, one thing though tactically uh, that was sort of disappointing to see is I would have liked to see him if you looked at where he was positionally he was frequently in quite a bit and yeah. I would have liked to see him a little bit wider to start off with, especially, you know, as they that's where they wanted us to play was through the middle. Um and and same with, you know, Gebhardt and Allen. You know, you really have to stretch wide. Um, you know, the boots on boots chalk on the boots kind of thing, right? Um, so you know, tactically. But I, I think, you know, one of the things you talked about mistakes and set pieces, and you know, they're kind of two big picture schools of football. You can you know, look at it from the Alardice Mourinho kind of camp, or you can, you know, look at it from the more guardiola uh clop, I would say is slightly different, but in there that are we gonna be, you know, proactive or reactive? And I think that's one of the things, you know, Max Kellerman, boxing analyst from ESPN, also briefly a rapper, uh, always is fond of saying, you know, styles makes make fights. Um, and that's, what's interesting about forward and union Omaha is, I think you have two very different styles. I mean, he rolled out Mims rolled out a four, four, two, which is what England in 1980, Jack Charlton talking about fish and chips, Ireland in the 90 world cups. I mean, that's that's where they were, right? That was not a super tactically sophisticated performance from Union Omaha and wasn't a particularly attractive game of football. It got results, right? And that would be what Mourinho would say with a condescending sneer, right?
1: Yeah. And it's not, and it is difficult to play giving up that much possession. It takes an incredible amount of concentration and it takes an incredible amount of discipline because you know, you're not going to have the ball. You know, you're going to be moving side to side the whole match. So there is something to be said for it. We didn't have a whole lot of clear cut chances outside of the goal. I mean, we had a couple of decent looks, Um,
0: but well, especially yeah. I think if you're fatigued, it's a lot harder to play on the front foot, play like sure. forward Madison sure. than it is to be reactive. I mean, yeah, but you're yeah, running I mean, side to side, but then you get the ball and you kick it as far as you can.
1: Yeah, and speaking of tactical wrinkles, you know the the idea of Pato kind of uh, stepping into the midfield. This is, I, I would say, this has become the new tactics du jour, if you will. Uh, kind of started by Pep at Bayern and some other clubs, and now he's doing it at Man City in certain matches where he wants to get a numerical advantage in the midfield, and he allows the you know it's been I guess uh, Cancelo in a lot of matches for City that pushes in and basically is playing as a, as like another auxiliary midfielder. Uh, so it seemed like Pato was doing that a little bit, maybe to try and give us another option to play short out of the midfield and get the ball wide. But um, yeah, but it did seem to play into Union Omaha's hands at least, you know, for the first kind of 60 minutes until I think you noted that there was a substitution. And then we seem to, we seem yeah, to I kind agree. of come alive later in the match. I would also say the sun, Went behind that cloud for most of the second half, and the wind picked up. It was actually a delightful
0: last 20 to 30 minutes. Uh, Dan, your weather forecast was 100% uh, correct. Um, So beautiful, not that hot, very lovely day. I
1: mean, it was hot, but it was like in the shade. It wasn't super humid. It wasn't a July... Ninety oh degree day. No, it was we, proper hot.
0: Are we? Are we going back to the humidity conversation? Are well, we? That was only like, a text
1: message. Our four listeners didn't get a. Didn't they get they a,
0: didn't hear us talk about the weather. I very clearly I was debating, by the way, in the intro between going with the you know Jerry Garcia to my David Grisman or the in the way to my old. Um, and clearly, I made the wrong choice. I hope I was we hoping you were going to say. I
1: was hoping you were going to say like the Gary Canalty to your, but I don't know any other weather channel
0: person. So <laughs> Gary Canalti is the only one I know. <laughs> Gary, Indiana Canalti. Uh, Gary's from? No, but Gary, Indiana. Good, good little nickname there. Um, it's where, so, it's where yeah. I was on. Well, it's where my dad was working when I was born. Your, your dad was, what, what car was being manufactured in Gary, Indiana? I just worked for GM. Maybe he didn't work for, he, he did the money stuff. But didn't he work at like a, at the factory? Wasn't it? No, didn't no. they put him out to be near a factory or was it like, nope. no, just go to Gary, Indiana.
1: Nope. Just like your local bank. It was like your local
0: office where you got your car loan. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. He wasn't working in the manufacturing. So center. I'm a proud, proud, uh, uh, resident of
1: Valparaiso, Indiana.
0: Congratulations. <laughs> Thank um, you. Yeah. Uh, also why, uh, by the way, speaking of you, Dan, uh, <laughs> One person noted the calves and I'm kind of disappointed in that. I want more. I
1: got to say thank you to Mike Fanata. He was the only one who asked to see, to see my calves. And was he duly impressed? I mean, I didn't show him, but he did look down and I think he saw some veins and was like, you could ask him. Uh, you know, good new good friend of the pod, Tony Moore. I think he 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 noticed them as we were standing together, uh, up at the front. I want to, I want to, on the record, thank Tony for a post game beer at the the ideal bar. He uh he treated me to a
0: beer, so oh, very nice. You didn't go to go to pallet, you went to the ideal bar, very nice, correct? correct. Yeah, fine, fine establishment. Is he over in your neighborhood? Is that why you guys, yes, were yes, indeed. Yes. Ah. Very nice. Uh, So, Richmond come to town. Uh, By the way, as a result of this match, Union Omaha are now top of the table with two matches in hand. Um, They got bragging rights and, you know, uh, sent my uh, gif gif back to me, um, which, uh, fine, turnabout is fair play. Did you also mention to them that some
1: of their supporters preferred to stand in the flock end rather than stand? You know,
0: look, But they're the best supporters in USL League One, Dan. Let's not let's not get into the details of that. They preferred Uh to stand with us. Um, You know that perhaps uh, I didn't. I didn't hear a lot of singing from that end of the stadium. Um, It's kind of hard to hear that over our singing. Yeah, I didn't hear ninety minutes of singing like you do from Forward Madison, but. You know, these are details that guys who just don't pick up on them are not going to be able to observe, um, you know, and, and the jokes have tended, let's be honest, Dan, to fly right over them. Um, so Richmond coming to town, uh, Richmond, a lot of people had as a preseason favorite, uh, struggled a little bit. Um, they had a poor result against the Chattanooga Red Wolves, your, your favorite team. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so any thoughts going into the match from the, the footballing perspective? It is also Henny <laughs> Darby. Um, so we do know that uh, Kyle Carr has informed us he will be at the pregame festivities, at least, to celebrate. An important thing to note, if you're listening to the podcast, uh, you should track down the Featherstone Flamingos on the various social medias, including uh, on the Twitter, uh, because for the match, um, they are doing a goal fundraiser for the YWCA of Dane County. The, um, and uh, basically, you know, contributing and for forward, forwards backwards podcast is uh, making a donation as well for every goal scored. And so for every goal scored, uh, you know, supporters can can pledge a certain amount uh, to uh, the YWCA. So track that down for the more details. They have a little Google sheet that you can pledge and they'll track you down. And as long as it's not Venmo, Dan, I will pay it. But I don't have a Venmo. Um, and so if it's Venmo, I have to send you the money Mm -hmm. and then you send it in. I actually do have a Venmo, but it's for millennium soccer club fundraising. Yeah. I've heard this before. This is like talking about the weather again. Uh,
1: not much to say about Richmond. Yeah. I think they, you know, they, they, uh, they're in a decent form. I mean, they're only a point behind us and with a one extra game played, I think this is where things start getting tight, you know, like a good start to the season. And if you don't you know another loss and we could very quickly find ourselves back down in you know seventh faith place with uh, how tight it is um so uh it looks like you know other than uh, uh you know maybe yeah North Carolina's a rough go of it you know there i think everyone else out there is pretty dangerous i mean i think teams can you know pick up points here and there um So yeah, I mean, it's always fun to play against Richmond. So, you know, it'll be good to have some of those folks here in town and at breeze. I'm assuming some of them, that'll be their first trip here, uh, if I'm not mistaken, and I'm sure we'll show them a good time. And unfortunately, I will not be at the match and uh, are you planning on
0: running a half marathon again? i am not but i will
1: be out of town and uh you know as I, I i've already introduced good friend tony moore of the pod is bringing a friend to the match so oh, uh nice he's able to get rid of my ticket and so uh i wish everybody a very happy uh, saturday evening but i will not be there
0: uh fish show what's going on now i'm just going out to seattle visit some friends your priorities are totally out of whack dan uh with that uh i have no life so i will be there saturday night uh, uh, on that note, I say forwards, not backwards, <laughs> upwards, not forwards, and always twirling, twirling, twirling towards freedom. It's not the heat, it's the humidity. On
1: flood, all of the guys call a flamingo. He takes a run right down the middle for the flamingos. To his left, Keegan will curl this in, he
0: scores!